these messages. This is Working the Beat. It is Friday, August 28, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us here as we started another weekend. Give me what you the next, the last weekend of summer 2020. Uh, next weekend is Labor Day. Next weekend is the start of college football in some form. Uh, the abbreviated form, it looks like. And then, Are there uh, games next week? There are games next week. Uh, and I then, saw where like three or four colleges just push stuff back. Yeah, and it sounds like the Big Ten is going to try to play after Thanksgiving, which is weird, but uh, we'll get that, into that. That makes not a lot of sense. Well, and we'll get into that in a few minutes. Our guest this week is Derek, or our guest for this episode is Derek Gunn, formerly of NBC Sports Philadelphia, the one who broke the Andre Dillard news on uh, Thursday. This week has just thrown me off on what days have been what. Uh, we'll talk to Derek about everything with the Eagles, where he sees them, and then we'll talk a little bit, obviously, about the Jacob Blake situation and the power that we saw out of the NBA players, which translate to other leagues and creating a stoppage on uh, the games we play. So those are the, the those are the headlines, Mr. Kern. Uh, how are you doing? I'm fine. I... I didn't have to uh, miss any games. No. I did miss games last night. I, I was looking for something to watch. There was nothing, you know, for for four months I had nothing to watch. Then I got back to watching, and then last night, you know, no Flyers, no Phillies, no Sixers. But I knew that. So, well, yeah, know. there's no Sixers until December. Yeah. All right. Uh, now. I I look. There was so much stuff on TV the last couple of days, Kevin. I I have a lot of mixed feelings about a lot of this. Um, I wonder what not practicing does. Like, I understand that they're trying to say something. I get that. If the Eagles don't practice today, tomorrow, or the next, I don't care. It's not like, like when people miss a game, that makes me stand up and take notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I understand that the Eagles couldn't, or fo- uh, pro football teams right now couldn't pr- sit out a game because they have no games. Right. And the Giants have actually talked about doing that at some point. But, um, Bruce Arians had, and I, I knew Bruce back 30 years ago when he was Temple coach. I've always admired him. He had an interesting comment, and he said, we've been protesting since 1968. It hasn't done anything. Right. So, I, I heard that. And today, yeah. Tom Brady talked about uh, the power, you know, the, the power to listen, the power to, to make a change and to help change. And but you're right. I think Bruce's comment is that you need to see certifiable action, and I think that's what we saw how do you from get, the NBA. Well, how do we get to the point, and obviously the president you know, accepted his nomination again last night, and he spoke for an hour. And How do we get to the point where we stop these things from happening? And you're, you're never going to be able to stop everything from happening. You well, can't. And that's a question I think we got to ask Derek, and we'll get into yeah. that in our, in our talk with him. Um, yeah. We're back here on Tuesday. We'll break down the Flyers in the playoffs. Phillies will be past the deadline at that point, and we'll be less than two weeks away from actual NFL football, which is kind of hard to believe, but um, that's where we're No, it's the NFL. No, it doesn't surprise me one little bit. But it seems like it's been a very low-key because of everything going on. Because there's no no training camp. There's nothing really to follow. Yeah. 
There's no exhibition games. You can't, you know, all your news is coming from whatever the reporters are telling you, yep. which is fine. Yep. Um, I, I just find, like, it's, now you're saying that Ohio, that the Big Ten now is going back somewhat? The Big Ten is looking at potentially... A bubble? Um, they're looking at actually doing it in dome stadiums, yeah. But they're looking at starting around Thanksgiving, which gets into a whole different series of issues. And wouldn't that take them out of bowl games and the playoff, if there's a playoff and all that kind of stuff, right? Which they're talk- um, Yeah, they're talking about maybe the Big Ten and, and if the Pac-12 is interested, maybe doing like a Rose Bowl in, in March okay. or April. So Yeah. Um, I mean, it just seemed to me that the reason why they did it where they were cutting schools off and said they weren't bringing kids back after Thanksgiving because of that very reason, I, I thought. I agree. So but I don't know. I, I, who knows? It, it, this is such a mess, and I think they're afraid of lawsuits and, and from these parents. And we've seen things around and, Philadelphia with the high schools. I mean, obviously, yeah. you're more in tune with that than I am. But a, lot a lot of, like, the suburban, yeah, the Catholic League and the and the Public League are not going to play, but the suburban one. Interact 2, right? The Interact 2, but the suburban 1 League has voted to play. 22 uh, to 1. Yeah. With two abstentions. Yes. Uh, and Cheltenham actually had their board, uh, their school board president, which kind of threw the gauntlet down and said no. And Springfield, Springfield uh, Monco, and Lower Moreland were the other two. And what's the, there's a league in Delaware County that's not playing. Um, um, the, the, the Chessmont. Or not the Chessmont. No, the, the, uh, the other one. Um, the one that like Penwood's in. And, and, yeah. Um, and why? The Delval. The Delval, the Delval, Delval League. Yeah. And I, I just think it's going to make for a weird – and look, I understand if people want to play, yeah. and, and I, I get the sentiment both ways, okay? But it's really going to make for like a weird um, dynamic going forward. I agree. I think, but, you know. Let's get to our interview. Uh, Derek Gunn, fr- formerly of NBC Sports Philadelphia, to talk all things Eagles uh, and all things, period. We'll talk about his memories of Philly. We'll talk about, obviously uh, – the main news of the day, uh, which is still the Jacob Blake story and, and the impact that has had uh, with the shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. That's next, and it's Working the Beat continues right after these. Our first guest, our guest on this episode of Working the Beat, uh, both Michael and I consider a friend. He was the premier Eagles reporter in Philadelphia for uh, 22, 23 years. Uh, Apparently still is. And still is, even though he doesn't have an outlet, formerly from Comcast Sportsnet and NBC Sports Philadelphia, it's our friend Derek Gunn. Derek, how are you? Happy Friday, gentlemen. How are how you guys doing? We're hanging you, in. You made, you made as much for breaking that story as Kevin and I make. Exactly. <laughs> so we should point out on Thursday, Derek was the first one who brought up uh, uh, the injury to... Um, uh, how come I'm drawing a line on uh, a blank on the on the offensive lineman's name? Which, Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard, second uh, year guard from somewhere in the Pac-10 North. Yeah, in the Pac-10 North, which is never good to draft from the Pac-10 North, <laughs> but that's a whole different story. Uh, Derek, how how is it not having to go to training camp every day and 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 find a storyline at this point two weeks before your season starts? You know what? I, I thought it would be weird. Um, I've been covering. Uh, Sports in general, football specifically, for 41 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought there would be a void not going to training camp. I mean, don't get me wrong. I miss interacting uh, with the players, uh, front office personnel, PR staff, uh, a lot of media people as well. Um, but there's another part of me 
that is getting too comfortable with this. I get up when I want to. I go outside. I work on projects in my yard. I'm working in my garage. I'm fulfilling many honey-do lists for the <laughs> yeah. wife. Um, and, and it's it's a little strange, but uh, I, I don't miss it as much as I thought I would. You know, Derek, I, I miss our conversations. We used to have many, many. Yes. Com- I looked for them. And the thing that I've told Kevin, and I think Kevin probably feels the same way, is the thing I miss most is the people. Yeah. Like you just said, it's it's the it's the sitting with Jay Wright or sitting with Joe Giuliano or sitting with Kevin Kuhn or yes. whatever it might have been. That's the part I miss. And, you know, once you kind of get over that, you never get over it. But you do find that, that not waking up in the morning is not such a horrible thing. No, no, no. And, you know, it, it's funny. Um, the people that I miss, I still keep in contact with. Right. Even my photographers, my editors, I still keep in contact with by way of texts, phone calls. Um, so it's it's the, the void I thought I would miss tremendously is so small. Uh, it's somewhat shocking to me that I don't miss it more than I really do. There, yeah. uh, do you anticipate you will be at a couple games this year or not? Um, still debating. Uh, don't know yet. Um, I, I hope to be. There's COVID out there, man. Well, no, I, I'm asking because, you know, with another outlet. I mean, do you think another outlet, have you gotten offers from other outlets? Because your knowledge of the number one team in town is so vast. And, and, I uh, I have been talking to multitudes of uh, media outlets. Uh, there's some of which I'm going to pursue. Um, I can't say anything about those now. Okay. There's, a, there's, a, there's a couple other ventures that I'm doing on my own that I'm excited about, and the feedback has been really good. Um, so I don't know. You know, it's funny. I'm looking forward to actually being able to sit on a couch on a Sunday and watch football. I can you know, flip around and watch two or three games. <laughs> hey, do you have any room in those new ventures for a midget? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'll see I'm not sure he's up. kidding, Derek. <laughs> why would Why would I kid, Kevin? I'm, I'm other than you. I'm bored. I mean, <laughs> um, I don't know yet. I haven't I haven't thought that far down the road. But are you, are you kidding? You like family, man. I, I, I appreciate that. I I want I wanted to. I wanted to get in some other stuff later, but I want to ask you first about this team. And now with the Dillard injury, with with uh, the Brooks injury already, down two starters on your offensive line, and yeah, you can slide Jason Peters over, but it then creates a whole other issue at guard. Um, and it cre- could create a Jason Peters issue at some. True. How how bad a shape are they in right now? Well, I, I don't I don't want to say bad shape right now initially because. I always felt, and I've been saying this consistently since April and May, that Jason Peters was coming back to this team to play left guard. Um, Then when they decided to move him over to right guard, especially after Brooks got hurt, it made sense. But now you're putting back the future Hall of Famer there. Matt Pryor played very well against Seattle in the playoffs. Right. Um, I think he's going to do fine between those two pro bowlers and Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey. Now the depth behind them, when you look at, like, you know, Nate Herberg and Guys like that, I mean, these guys have three games and less of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, now you got a problem because you're talking about continuity, chemistry. Because once the season starts, the front line guys work with the front line guys, and so on and so forth. So, you, I hate to say this, but you know that somewhere along the line, one of those starters could probably miss a game, maybe even more. I hate to say that. Cross your fingers; it doesn't happen. 
that's when it gets really tricky. Um, and when you're talking about especially protecting a franchise quarterback's blind side, if Jason Peters goes down for any length of time, uh, they've got a big problem. Now, Jordan Malata has been getting a lot of first-team reps. This is, what, year three for him? So yeah. he better improve vastly. Uh, he's working with one of the best offensive line coaches in the game and Jeff Stoutland. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Peters is an incredible teacher to young young players. So it, it's a big question mark in terms of what could happen to this offensive line if a Jason Peters goes down. You know, it, we, nobody knows it's going to happen this year. We don't even know if there's going to be a full season or whatever. But Kevin's pointed this out several times that the Eagles have an advantage in that the Giants stink and the Redskins stink. And it's probably Washington football down. team. I, I'm sorry. I'll say that about a hundred times <laughs> um, and not mean it, but the, it's going to come down probably to the two Dallas games if they play Dallas twice, but that they have a quarterback and a coach who's been together at least. Yep. Um, do you st- right now though, would you say, assuming all other things are equal, is Dallas now sort of the favorite? I would say the Eagles are the favorite right okay. now okay. because of all that continuity they have in place. And those guys know that system. Most of the guys there have been with Doug for two to three years. You know, you look at Mike McCarthy taking over down in Dallas. Uh, you look at Ron Rivera taking over in D.C., you know, Joe Judge in New York. Um, those guys all lost a lot of valuable teaching time from May through right. July. Mm-hmm. And now it's a crash course of trying to get guys ready, get them on the same page. Coaches trying to figure out which players are best in strategic situations so on and so forth, Eagles have the advantage going in. My concern is two things. Number one, this Dallas team, on pay, even though they lost Gerald McCoy, this Dallas team loaded on both sides of the football. Number two, with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio coaching that Washington team, yeah. with them taking Chase Young in the first round to add to what they already had. And Dwayne Haskins, remember, Haskins almost beat the Eagles last year. Yeah. You know, um, Washington, that's my sleeper team in the division. You know, people are saying okay. it's going to be just Eagles-Cowboys. Don't count, don't count Washington out. Washington may start slow, but by that midway point, if they get on Rivera and, and, and Del Rio's page, Washington could upset a lot of apple carts, well, not just in the division, but the conference. And, Derek, if Haskins struggles, you got Alex, Alex, uh, Alex, Alex Smith back yep. there who could be a factor in this. And they were in the division when Alex Smith went out two years ago. I mean, no Alex question. Smith is a good quarterback. No now, question. Uh, um, if he has, if Alex Smith has to take over that team, if he's one hundred percent healthy, and that Washington team gets it together, they may surprise a lot of people. Did, did any of you guys see that documentary about him that ESPN did? The pictures of his leg and everything. It, it was, I, I, I saw bits and pieces. I, of it. I, was, I uh, couldn't watch all of it. <laughs> I, 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 I had to turn away. Yeah, it was unreal. I'm not. A, I'm not a squeamish person. I couldn't watch that whole thing. And you know, the fact that he is alive, standing upright, and now back competing in the NFL is a miracle in itself. And yeah, I wish right. I wish him all the best because what a great testimony his story will be if he makes it through this season. Derek, yeah. when Derek Gunn joining us, Derek, when you look at the Eagles' wideouts, and you know, obviously Rager's there, Deshaun is back. Uh, Arkea Whiteside figures in there. Kind of where does where do they land? And you still have the possibility of getting Jeffrey down the road here. Um, sure. You know, which may be a good or a bad thing. Who knows? I think I think there's a lot of 
great potential on this team. If one thing, they increased their speed. Even though Marquise Goodwin decided to sit out the season, and, and I don't blame any player no. who decided to opt out to protect their family, loved ones. I, I have all the respect in the world, but that's, that could be a big loss for them. But when you have this kid, Jalen Rager, speed. If Deshaun Jackson stays healthy, speed. You've got these kids, John Hightower, Quez Watkins, younger guys all running 4-3-4-4s. If Carson Wentz could will this team to a division title last year with Greg Ward, J.J. I think a white side and guys pulling off the street and practice squad. If he gets these guys on page, this could be a pretty good nucleus of receivers. You know, you know your two tight ends are your safety valve. No question about that. Mm-hmm. But these receivers, if they can get up to speed and if they if they're interchangeable parts across the board, um, they could they could wreak some havoc, especially uh, with secondaries. Because you can't double cover everybody when you have that much speed across the field. And you also have Sanders coming out of the backfield, too. Which No question. No question. Go ahead, Mike. You know, Derek, they've got a lot, of, a lot of speed on this team. Yeah, they do. With, with everything that's going on with COVID that we don't know about, and you know, maybe it'll be worse two months from now, or who knows. What If you were a betting person, do you think they're going to play a 16-game schedule? Do you think there's going to be a Super Bowl when sort of when the Super Bowl is supposed to be? How do you think this is going to kind of play out, or is it just too difficult to even make a prediction? I'll tell you what's interesting, first and foremost. When you look at less than 1% of NFL players have have been diagnosed having COVID, when you think about it, 80 to 90 players in camps, 20 to 30 coaches, front office personnel, training staff, all within close quarters, I think that's amazing in itself. Now, we could have another epidemic breakout, but right now, I feel pretty good about where they are. I think the NFL has done a tremendous job in terms of preparing, testing, and closely monitoring the situation every day. Now, there's some things you just can't avoid. You know, we could have another outburst of COVID in October, November, December. Who knows? We could have a vaccine cure by then. We don't know. But I feel pretty good right now that the NFL is going to do everything within its power to play this season. There's too much TV money at stake. For this, for this conglomerate, which is the richest sports conglomerate on the planet, not to play this season. Yeah, it, yeah, and, and and I think we all know the the NFL is about money, and the NFL will push. No, this as, the NFL really? will push this as far as they can. No question. And you know, it, it, it's fascinating. I want to touch on something else uh, with you. Obviously, this week the NBA's protest after the Jacob Blake shooting. Um, you know, you've seen other sports fall in line. You talk to players more to anybody else in, in the business on a personal level. What do you think the reaction is in NFL locker rooms right now to what's going on? And would they be willing? We're, you know, we're two weeks out. Would they be willing to use the power kind of in the same way the NBA players are to force social change on that issue? Um. I, I wouldn't put it past them. I know teams are having meetings daily about what they want to do, what action they want to take. A lot of players, especially with the Eagles, are talking about kneeling uh, before the national anthem and getting attention in that regard. But but something has to be done. These senseless killings have to stop. It's become too commonplace now. It's becoming an everyday occurrence. And it's becoming too ritualistic in a lot of ways that these things continue to happen. We've seen it too much and too often. Too many heads have turned the other way and looked the other way, and the issue has not been addressed properly. 
now you're starting to get the thing that's most impressive is that decades ago, years ago, this used to be a black cause only. Right. Now you're starting to see not just multitudes of nationalities joining in, but other countries as well uh, joining in protesting. That's the only way the voice is going to be heard. We've seen already certain police departments around the country have fired, suspended police officers, holding them accountable, but not nearly enough Mm -hmm. because these actions continue to happen. I think whether it's city, state, whatever the case may be, it has to get even tougher. Now, don't get me wrong, because I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of friends who who are cops. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of friends who have kids who are police officers. There are a lot of good men and women putting on that uniform daily. Absolutely. Yep. But there's a few bad seeds in anything you do in life. I don't care what we do in life, whether it's sports, uh, business, religion. There are a few bad seeds that can make the entire multitudes look bad. They have to continue to be weeded out until the problem is rectified. It's not going to be rectified overnight. It's not going to be rectified in a month. But hopefully within a year, we can have a clamp on this to where there's consistency and accountability like we've never seen in the country before. Do you think uh, – hold on, Mike. I got one one follow-up. Were you surprised to see the NBA players use the power that they have? And and I think they – I think players now understand the power they have from a financial standpoint because – they force the NBA to open up their arenas as polling spots and, and open up a lot of areas because they realized that by threatening to shut it down, they had the owners a little bit in, in a sense of the owners didn't want to lose that revenue. Do you think they realize the economic power they have now? I think that players across the board nowadays understand the finances of who they work for better than ever before. You look at these contracts across the board, baseball, football, basketball. Uh, these contracts are unbelievable. Um, and I do believe they understand now they wield more power than they ever have before. So I applaud them. If they feel that it, that it's within their right, mm-hmm. and that it's socially uh, justifiable to take a stand, to get attention, you look at the WNBA, even NHL shut it down. Yeah. You know, I never thought I would see that before. Pro soccer shut it down for a minute. I never thought I would see that before. That's how you hit back. And if you can get the owners, you look at what the NFL has done across the board. Mm-hmm. Owners are now putting in millions of dollars to combat social injustice and racial discrimination. Never saw that before. Never thought I would see that before. Now other pro entities are doing it as well. And it does, you know, the old saying is you have to crawl before you walk. Right. And we've been crawling a long time across the board trying to get this issue to the forefront. And now we're starting to walk a little bit more in terms of addressing it and attacking it. But it's still far from over. Yeah, and, you know, the funny thing is you're talking about empowerment, and this isn't the question, but just enough, you're even seeing it with the college players now yes. who are sensing that they have more power, But and, and that's a different level, obviously. Let me ask you this, Derek. The George Floyd incident was three months ago. Since then, and obviously it had an impact on the country, and of course, you know, good and bad. Now, since then, we've had three or four incidents of the same kind until this one, which then led to what happened this week. I'm God forbid, but I think there's going to be more just because that's what happens in America. 
What do you think another incident or two like we just saw with Jacob Blake, if it, God forbid, happens, will do in the wake of what's already happened? I think that's a powder keg that will cause this country to explode even bigger than what we saw with the protests back in May June. But I mean, from the pro player standpoint, Derek, what do you think? I think I think they will take more definitive stances in terms of not playing games uh, and letting people know that we're more than just athletes, that we have families out there that could be affected and maybe have been affected by some of this stuff. Um, that's the last thing ownership want to see, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I applaud them if they decide to take that stance. You know, you know, we've all been in the business long enough, and we've heard the outside perception of athletes that. They're all they're only about money. All they care about is their money. It's not I true. Think spring, I think this spring and this summer mm-hmm. um, puts that to rest when it comes to what these athletes have done um, mm-hmm. in terms of stepping forward, putting their money on the line, putting their jobs on the line, shutting down corporations to bring attention to something that's far more important than just playing the game, which is social injustice across the board and racial discrimination. <laughs> Well, hey, Ke- Kevin, let me ask one other thing. Sure. Derek, you're a black man. Obviously, you're about my age. Um, you heard a lot of things this week. Um, the Clippers coach, uh, Doc, uh, I heard some things that moved me because obviously I'm not black and I don't, you know, I can't put myself in a black person's, you know, I saw LeBron's tweets. I, I saw a lot of things. How did it make you feel as a black person to hear people breaking down and reliving their stories, and because I'm sure you have stories, um, um, a lot, a lot, feel, yeah, a, a lot of the stories that I've heard, uh, I've heard time and time again for decades. Uh, I've experienced a few minor things in my life, um, but I think now that more and more are coming out and sharing these stories, I think more people are aware. I mean, I can't begin to tell you. I've had a number of white friends tell me, to be honest with you. I never knew it was that bad in this country. I said, that's because you've never had to experience. Right. You've never had to walk that road before. You never had to pay attention to it. But now that it's come to the forefront, it's on the national news every night. It's on the newspapers. You're seeing prominent figures more than ever before. Talk about the experiences. Speak out against it. The country is becoming more aware. Now, unfortunately, there are pockets in this country that will continue to hate yep continue to profess bigotry mm-hmm. then you're not going to change those people but i think the majority of this country is now understanding there has to be something done that that, that people especially of color are not just crying wolf and not just causing screaming race discrimination it exists in this country we now have seen so many visual evidences of it yeah. 20 years ago we didn't have cell phones and ipads and all this stuff now everybody has a camera in their hand. Everything's being filmed. And the travesties are being projected in national limelights more than ever before. And people of non, who are non-black are standing back going, wow, I never thought this was like this in America. And a lot of them are now stepping up and trying to help with the cause. And Derek, if you think about it too, look at the places that have been the hotspots. Minneapolis and, and, and Kenosha, Wisconsin this summer. And exactly. you, if you want to go back, Ferguson, Missouri, back in four or five years ago, when when kind of all this got going. Well, Atlanta, well, there was Atlanta. Yeah, too. but but I'm saying like yeah. the, the mid America. This isn't yeah New York or L A or D C or something. This is mid America, and this yeah. is supposed to be the, kind of the mirror that everybody refers to. 
about what America is, and it's not a good reflection coming back that it's coming from those areas. Right. Um, let me let me try to lighten this up a little bit on a different topic. Do you have a favorite memory from your time at, at Sportsnet? It was me walking into the office. Well, besides that, about Andy Reid. Well, yeah, you would be you would be one A. How is Andy, Andy doing, by the way? Who's that? Andy. How is Andy doing, by the way? He he still is 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 as Andy Reid only can be. You know, it's funny. I always tell people, um, I wish Andy Reid would let a lot of people see his side away from football. Andy Andy Reid is one of the most uh, engaging. Uh, funnier people you ever wanted to meet, but you would never know. And I was saying, why don't you show people the other side? He goes, now nah, they don't need to see that. All they need to see is what I need to tell them when I stand at the podium. That's it. Yeah. He doesn't care about the general yeah. public knowing who he is, but Andy Reid is an unbelievably engaging person. Um, to answer the other half of your question about what's my most memorable moment at Sportsnet, and I can honestly say is a group of people coming together from different parts of the country, not knowing what to expect in a, in a very critical market like Philadelphia, mm-hmm. not just gaining acceptance, but becoming the leading entity in the market in terms of going to get your sports news. A lot of people didn't know if it would work. A lot of people didn't know how long it would sustain itself. But as the engine kept moving forward, it got stronger and stronger to where Comcast became not just a regional name, but a national name for breaking stories, doing features and documentaries uh, that other people in the market weren't doing. And to have been on the ground floor of that, to be a pioneer of something like that, um, I think that's one of the, uh, that is the proudest moment that I have of being a Comcast Sportsnet is looking around a room at a bunch of people I didn't know. They didn't know me. We hit the ground running. The one thing I can say that was consistent in that place was egos were checked at the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We sat there. We talked. We debated sports. We did a lot of great things together. Everybody worked for the betterment of what we did, and that's what I'm proudest most. Yeah, and that's why that's why it's so sad now. Well, he's not going <laughs> to. I'm saying Don't it. put Derek in that Derek spot. Derek doesn't have to say that. I'm saying Look, I was part of that in my own little way. It was great. Well, think about I think about this, Derek. You have five people who were originals for you guys. It was you, Leslie, Neil, Barkan, and D, who were there twenty years each. Yeah, I mean that's pretty remarkable in this market, and maybe only maybe the only thing in this market that tops it is what Action News has done with Gardner and all their people. Sure. It's pretty it's pretty remarkable that you guys had that main core there for so long. And Pat Boyle, who was your original co-anchor on the weekends, yep. Yep. ended up going oh, to God, see, I forgot about Pat. see us You're in right. Chicago, and he's still in, with the company. Yeah. You know, um, it's a rarity in our business to be in one place for, for two decades or longer. Um, and I think that's a testament to how much uh, they trusted us and respected us in terms of being as professional as we could be and representing the company as well as we could. You know, it's unfortunate to see, you know, the Ron Burks, yeah. uh, the D Linems, Leslie Goodell, Neil Hartman's, you know, fall by the wayside before me. Uh, but they've all reinvented themselves and they're doing fine. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, you can't, you can't dwell on the past. I, you know, I, I tell people, I don't have time to dwell on what was. Right. There's, so much, there's yeah. so much more to look forward to in terms of what is and what can be. I got you know, 
what was was great. But yeah. that's in the past. I got to move forward. I got to admit, one of the coolest things ever would be to be able to watch football with you on a Sunday and grill with you. Ha! Well, that's a possibility. I mean, anything's possible. But here's the thing about me. I, I don't like watching football with people because <laughs> they want to talk during the game. Oh, I'm not a talker. I'll admit that. I'm not a talker during the game. My wife always said, hey, let's have a Super Bowl party. I'm like, no. The few times we've done it, people walking in front of the TV, they're socializing, they're not even watching the game. And I'm like, okay, I, I, this is not it. So, But you know what? With football minds and sports minds such as you guys, that might be a, that might be a luxury. I might, I would enjoy it. I'd be honest. I like watching games by myself too. I I, re- I really do because I I watch the game. I'm just trying to get into this, have some of Derek's barbecue. To be honest, well, we can do that. <laughs> well, yeah, we can do that. What is it? Ribs, Derek? Is it ribs or everything? Oh man, brisket, ribs, chicken, you name it. Salmon, okay. smoked salmon. Now, do you go with no salt? Like, do you do the um dry rub kind of thing? Well, I use rubs and seasonings on them, but I gotta have sauce on my. I, I gotta have sauce on my ribs. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. I love sweet. I love sweet baby Ray sauce. It's awesome. And, and sometimes I'll add a few little things in it, a little of this, a little of that, to make it spicier. A lot of people don't like things as spicy as I do. I like spicy. The I love spicy stuff. Um, so yeah, I, you know, yeah, I, a, a lot, number of friends like to dry just to dry rub. I gotta have sauce on my ribs, man. Yeah, I usually put the sauce on after, like cook it dry and then add my sauce. That's cool. I'll admit my my specialty is strip steaks. I I, I make like with the rubs on it and everything. My wife seems to love the strip steaks I make. Ah, there you go. Yep. Derek Gunn from. Hey, Derek, before you go, what the hell is Brandon Graham going to do coming off the field now? I I don't know. I talked to him a lot. He goes, he goes, I got nobody to pick on now. Well, you know, we we couldn't have done it anyway this year because. um, (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't have had the uh, locker room set up, right? You can't, you can't go. You can't, you can't go in the locker room. You can't interview players. Everything is done virtual. So right. we would have lost that element. But some of the things that I'm doing on my own, you might, you just might see Brandon pop up again. I that that will be awesome. But you might see him pop up again. That would be awesome. Derek Gunn, formerly of NBC Sports Philadelphia, now breaking news on Twitter just because. <laughs> be good, one, man. One, what, hey, one news entity cannot stop D Gunn. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Derek, thanks, man. Hey, guys, thanks for having me on, man. It's my pleasure. Yep, absolutely. We'll talk to you during the season, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. All right, Derek Gunn, and we'll be back on Work on the Beat right after this. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass has a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Uh, from formerly of NBC Sports Philadelphia about all things Eagles and all things just in the world and and one of the great people we've met in our in our line of work would you agree there Michael Absolutely it's um but you know he mentioned a lot of good people I mean Ron Burke really grew on me I wasn't a big Ron Burke fan when I first cuz I I just thought I'm going to use a phrase and I don't mean it this way but he was a lightweight 
And then I got to know him and see him and watch his work. He wasn't a lightweight. He was really and, and as a person, he was better. Yeah. And then he hosted Daily News Live a couple times, and and I was on. I, I just came away thinking, wow, you know what a great. And then he was gone, and um, you know there, there was other guys I got to know down there, and and um, you know most of them are gone. Uh, you know, Summers, Danny Pommels is a great guy. He's still there. Um, but yeah, I'd, for, I'd forgotten about the guy that went to Chicago. Um, um, uh, uh, Pat Boyle. Yeah. Pat Boyle. And you know what's funny, Kevin? Every once in a while, I'll be flipping around. I'll go to NFL Network or I'll go to here or there, and you'll see somebody that, like Scott Hansen. Um, and there's a couple of them that were there kind of at the beginning and then went on to other things and have been very successful. Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing. Like, we, we always talk about the fact that how special that time was. I mean, look, I got in there at the end. I mean, you know, I got to see you guys more at the end when it became Philly Sports Talk, and I was on there for a couple of years, you know, as a, as a semi-regular, if you will, talking baseball. It, it, you know, you, you just bumped into everybody there, and it was a great atmosphere to work. And, you know, it was just so many creative people were involved with it. And yeah, um, and it was good stuff. It's good, it, is, it was I mean, good stuff. There was a period, I don't know what time frame we'd be talking about, but maybe like, I don't know, 2000 to, you know, give it a couple years to get going, and then uh, 2000 to 2010 maybe, yeah. uh, where it was as good as it got. Um, you know, and I'm not just talking about Daily News Live. I mean, right. we were out to, but the Comcast was important in this town. Yeah. It really was. And then, of course, you know, it got corporate. Like a lot of things get corporate, and uh, it ain't the same. It ain't nearly the same. We talked about, let's move on. We talked about the Jacob Blake incident with Derek. Um, Mike, any final thoughts on that before we move on? Or There are no final thoughts. It, it's, it's, you can't have final thoughts because you can't put it behind you. We will put it behind us. It's like, like I said, it's been three months since George Floyd. We don't, we've had three or four more incidents since then. Um, And I'm not saying there's going to be one next week or but, you know, it, it, it's just – this isn't going away. I, I don't care what the NBA players did or the other athletes and the other pro sports did. It's, it, they're doing what they can do. Um, it would have been really interesting, Kevin, I think, if the NBA players had said, closing this thing down. Because that would have got – I think that would have had a much bigger impact. And I'm not saying they should have done it. I don't well, mean it that I, way. I, you know, I think the biggest thing that you saw out of this was um, the today one of the things that was, and, and this gets the general message I think that the players were going after with voting and everything, that all, every NBA team has agreed to become a polling place in their arenas on November fourth, uh, November third. Um, yeah, to start, and, and especially in this era of COVID when we're talking about. Uh, worrying about safety and you know the the spacing of polling places right. and atmospheres and all that that these arenas could potentially be safe harbors because you could spread them out obviously a lot more than you can. But even people will still have gym. to get there, Kevin. It's yeah. like you know I look at in Philadelphia if if the, if the uh, uh, the center was used as a polling place, let's say, or people have to get there. Yeah, not a lot of people don't live near these places. It's wonderful that they're doing this. What I'm saying is, and I'm not advocating it, but if the NBA players, and I, and I think there was some talk of this, if LeBron had walked in the room and said, you know what, and, and Kawhi was with him, and said, I think we got to shut this down, 
And I don't know what Adam Silver would have said or, or how that would have, you know, if they would have said, hey, if that's what you guys want to do, we support it. I don't know how that all would have worked. But people would have noticed that. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't have been a two-day thing. It would have been like, wow, are you kidding me? This is really happening? Um, But it didn't. And I understand right. why, why it didn't or why it couldn't. But I just want to see, like, what's the end game in all this? And the end game could be 20 years away. And the fact that the end game could be 20 years away is sad because they've been fight. We've been fighting this battle for hundreds of years. So, you know, right. and again, I'm not a black person, so it, it's not really impacting me other than what's around me. But man, some of the stuff I've heard in the last couple of days is just, it's just sad. It really is. Grown men, Troy Vincent. Yeah. Crying. Crying about his three. I mean, and I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Like, you know, how do you put, how do you encapsulate that? I, I don't know. You know, I, I, my final word on this is going to be simple. Like, look, as as Derek said, and I noticed from living with it, 99% of cops are tremendous people. That no who doubt. work hard, who risk their lives, who... You, you can you can take everything, and it sometimes and they're sounds, putting they're putting bad situations, bad situations. So, yes. Okay, but the problem is that you have to be able to identify which ones are are bad, and you have to be able to you have to find a way to weed them out, and that includes cops talking against other cops. And I know for years yeah. that was a that was a no no. You didn't go against the brotherhood because you know right one kind of took care of the other and all that mm -hmm. but we're beyond that now we're at mm -hmm. a, we're at a point where that can't be acceptable yeah and that if if there's a bad cop and if bad cops want to if bad if good cops want to see bad cops get punished good cops have to come forward and say that's enough and go to internal affairs and go to their colleagues and confront them about this stuff that's the yeah. only way it's going to change yeah, but and Kevin, I I think too. It's it's like I don't know if these people were bad cops before these incidents. I, I don't. And it takes a better training. That you're right. That that that's absolutely right. There has to be better training for incidents than yeah. what and has been. The other side place. of this would say, well, those people were you know, George Floyd was a bad. He was a criminal. He should, and, and I'm not doubting any of that. I'm I'm not. He, George Floyd was was this guy that just got shot. Jacob Jacob Blake you know, he, uh, he, reportedly he had, had a knife under his. Right. Okay. I get what. But the use of deadly force somehow has to be, and especially when it seems like, seems like, I'm using that phrase, against black people, the, you know, the guy in the Wendy's parking lot that you've right. seen about, it just has to be dealt with better, I guess. And, and I, I'm not the cop who's sitting there maybe worried that this guy's going to turn around with a knife and, and do something, but it would seem like when there's three cops there and, and one person, you should be able to handle the situation. I don't know. Maybe right. I'm wrong. I'm not, you know. Let, let's, um, let's, yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to another topic. And this involves NBA arenas, but not anywhere close to what we're talking about. Uh, the Inquirer reported on Wednesday, and perhaps maybe the most tone-deaf leak in the history of journalism, or uh, of PR spin, rather, um, that the Philadelphia 76ers are interested in building an arena on Penn's Landing, uh, specifically in the parking lot where the River Rink is right now, between Market and Chestnut. And if you've ever been down there, you know that's 
you know, there's a lot of ramps going to Market Street and Chestnut Street that, that kind of weave there. It's a bus loading zone. There's a bit, the main parking lot for Penn's Landing's there. Uh, Mike, your initial thoughts. Well, if what I read was true, it wouldn't happen until 2028. Yeah, they have um, to be out. Uh, they, the release of the Wells Fargo Center ends in 2031. Okay, so I mean, we are talking almost a decade. Yeah, down the road. it is lay, literally laying the groundwork. Yeah, and to be honest with you, if I'm the Sixers, I mean, would you rather see the Sixers stay in Philly or go somewhere else? Um, yeah, would they go to South Jersey? Um, and, and to be honest with you, to me personally, if the Sixers are playing across the river, they're still the Philadelphia 76ers, but some people might take umbrage at that. I I, I don't know. Um, you know, as long as Philadelphia isn't going to get held hostage, which it seems like with most pro franchises now, that's what happens. Um, you know? And seriously, when you think about the bad timing stuff, though, I mean, your team just got swept. But didn't they have to do it? Wasn't well, well, well the, there is, you know? there is, but literally, like, your team got swept this week. You fired your head coach. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You're in the middle of an economic collapse. Um, there's the, obviously what's going on with the NBA. This is that was story was breaking almost at the same time that the Bucks were refusing to play down in the bubble, uh, and they have no control over that. I get it, but it's like oh, really, you know, like you're, you're you're choosing now to try to pull this off. So they would have should have waited till what Monday or Tuesday. I think I think they had to be a little more honestly. If it the deadline was this week, they would have been better off doing it last week. Well, yeah, but last week was when they were still playing and losing. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's just, just think- you know what here. Here is where I kind of and, and there is parts of it that are interesting because they would they would designate uh, so many. Uh, so many construction jobs would go to minority-owned firms. Um, they were talking about moving the African American Museum, which is at Seventh and I want to say uh, it's not Chestnut. It would be Seventh uh, and Arch, maybe. Okay. Uh, yeah. Over to the waterfront, over to that area, to on Penn's Land. They would build that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would uh, support businesses. All that. It would be part of a bigger project that would cap. Uh, inter- uh, I-95 uh, with a park area that would kind of unify the river to the rest of Old City. All that sounds wonderful. But there's got to be something in it for Josh Harris. I, and maybe because it's Josh Harris who's doing it. There's just got to be something in it for Josh Harris that all this, well, we're going to, you know, the kind of, oh, we'll use tax breaks and everything. No, you're going to want city money. You know this. But, but, Kevin, you don't like Josh Harris. That's fine. But tell me an owner in sports that, would, that wouldn't try to do a project similar to this and wouldn't be looking for something. Well, you make it sound like Josh Harris well, is no. the only guy in the world that would do something like this. But when you're trying to build, when you're trying to buy the New York Mets for $3 billion, and you're going to be now going hand in hand to a city that, quite frankly, doesn't have the money. Yeah. Um, and to an area that I think you and I both agree probably doesn't have the infrastructure to handle something like that. Um, yeah. There's a question of whether Philadelphia would need another arena. 
if assuming that the Wells Fargo Center would be still used for just the Flyers, um, I don't know. And and the other question is: Is this well, just a bit? Is this just a bait and switch? So when the city eventually does turn him down, he can go to Camden, get all his tax breaks, and probably a municipally built arena over in Camden. I think that may yeah, be the but, angle. But if he does that, so what? Like what? I don't understand why it seems like it bothers you so much, Kevin. He is a business person, okay? He's trying to make the best deal for Josh Harris, okay? That's the way the world works. Jerry Jones tries to make the best deals for Jerry Jones. And every other owner, these rich bomber, all these rich guys, that's how they got to be rich, okay? Steve Ballmer, by the way, is building his own arena in Inglewood, but okay. He's got $30 trillion, and maybe he's a better person than Josh Harris. What I'm saying is it's very simple. You're the city of Philadelphia. They say, we. you either say yes or no. And if the answer is no, and Josh Harris decides to go across the river, then he goes across the river. And then it's the people of Jersey's problem. So I don't really, I don't get as, as into it as you do, and maybe I'm wrong. But I, it's just, this is how well, business is done. And... We went around and round and round with where was the Philly Stadium going to go, and it was going to go here, and it was going to go there, and it was an event. They just built it in South Philly again. I mean, um, you know, the, the Sixers have wanted their own identity for years because they feel that the fly, the Flyers own the building, right? Right. Okay. Well, so so the, and, the, and when they the moved place. into the building, obviously they were part of, um, they were part of the same crew. Uh, that I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. When they moved in the building, uh, they were obviously under the Comcast um, umbrella as well, right? So basically, it's right. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was incestuous. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is, I have. If if you don't like what Josh Harris is doing, then tell him to take a hike. It, it's it's to me, it's a very simple thing. If whoever is the mayor of Philadelphia then or city council or whatever, I don't know. Is that something we get to vote on as, as citizens or is that something that they just make a decision on? I I, I don't know how that works. Um, but if if you don't feel it's good for the city or we can't afford it, but every city in America goes through this. I don't care what city you are and some cities lose franchises because of it because they won't quote unquote cave in um you know, Oakland just, you know, Oakland's going to lose the Raiders to, uh, Las or Vegas. has lost the Raiders, you know, and it's not the first time that something like that's happened. Um, see, you know, so that's just the way the world works, it, you know, and if you don't like Josh's tactics or you don't like his timing, fine, you're allowed to say that. But, you know, there, it's very simple it's yes or no. Yes, we'll let you do it and we'll help you out. No, go find another place. And, you know, me, I don't know what me, I don't know what the answer is going to be. I know this is a dumb question to ask because I have a feeling I know what your answer is going to be. Do you think that site will work? Boy, I mean, site. See, this is why I've always thought, and I I'm, I know maybe it's not fair to the people of South Philly. I, I've heard that from, and I understand that, but South Philly just works so great because. You can get out of a game, and if you do it right, beyond 95 or just, or wherever, just in our five case, minutes. 95, in five minutes, and I can be home in 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
It's Plus, so you got easy. access to the bridges for Jersey and all that. Bridges, yeah. you got the uh, Schuylkill, if that's the way you're going, 95 South. So any time, like when, when I was at the, um, you know, we were at 15th and Cow Hill, they were talking about building the Phillies. Right next door. Right around the corner from us. And I looked at people, I said, are they nuts? One part of the plan was that the ramp coming off 95, or 676, I guess it would be, um, that goes south on 15th, they were going to have to turn that around to go north on 15th. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, do you understand what that's going to mean? So, yeah, Kevin, you're right. I mean, but for years, Philadelphia wanted to have what Baltimore had. Mm-hmm. We wanted to have those things or Pittsburgh on the river. or Pittsburgh. Right, right. Be- so, you know, I'm perfectly fine with where the Philly Stadium is right now. And there's a view of Center City. Yeah. I mean, it's not a view of the river, but, you know. Well, um, m- like my thing with. Like, I always felt like for an arena, arenas are different than baseball stadiums because, you know, I don't know if people travel to arenas just to go to arenas. Baseball stadiums, lack of a better term, become a tourist attraction because it's summer. If you have it near a river or something, it becomes, you know, I've never heard somebody say, oh, I'm going to Boston to go see the garden. You know, like I agree with you. But in in a perfect world, you would like those kind of places, whether it's so, a Philly. But what I'm saying is the proximity, the proximity of a river, to me, like for a basketball arena, doesn't make as much sense because of just the, the maybe the scenics. I don't know. Right, but there's two sides to that. One, you probably don't need as much land for an arena as you do True. for a stadium. But t- I think the whole key is, Kevin, can you tie it into restaurants? Can you tie it in, especially with what we're going through with COVID now? Yeah. Like, and, of course, we're talking 10 years out, so none of this really matters. And but it's like, talking about the entertainment area that's never been developed in the city. Right. And, like, so if you, that's what they were talking about at Spring Garden. They were mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, they're going to have all these things. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. The Phillies are going to play 81 home games a year. So for 81 nights, yes, that'll happen. The other 200 and 300 nights, whatever it is. So I don't know if you could tie in where that arena would be with the restaurants in, in Lower Market Street and Lower Chestnut Street, whatever down there. You know, maybe that helps those people. I don't know. Baltimore did it the right way. We all know that. Pittsburgh seemed like it did it the right way. Uh, we never do it the right way. So, um, oh, I can tell you what I think the biggest mistake the city made on these arenas are. They should have demanded from the Eagles. And look, it would have cost the city money to, to you know, to build it. They should have demanded a dome on the link. It would have done so much to help the city overall attract major events. The Super Bowl, uh, the Final Four. We, I mean, we both have covered enough college basketball now. If there was a dome on the link, the Final Four probably would have been in Philadelphia by now. Yeah, but I mean, and look, I don't know how much more money a dome costs. I don't know that. So I can't sit here and say, well, it's, it's $100 million more, it's $200 I, I don't know that. But it is more. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you know, you can demand anything you want from the Eagles. No, I'm and saying the, Eagles, the city should have built demanded it. of the Eagles. And I'm saying you can demand anything you want of the Eagles, and the Eagles could say, no. Uh, you know, I mean, and then what do you do? So what's your, what's your next move? Um, now, with Jeffrey Lurie, would it be a crown in Jeffrey Lurie's, a feather in his cap, if there was a Super Bowl here? I would think so. Um 
but I don't know if those things were discussed when the link. I mean, the link's now almost twenty years old. Yeah, and it's already undergoing it's undergoing a, a renovation already. Right. So I don't know what was discussed. You know, I remember when Temple was building the Leacor Center, and there was somebody told me this that they could have made it a mini carrier dome mm-hmm. for not. Now this is the way it was described to me in nineteen ninety mid nineties for not a whole lot more money. Now what? Not a whole lot more money means I don't know. But could you imagine if the Leah course, you know, was a mini cat and then they could have played their football games in there and um, on and on and on. But, yeah, your points are well taken. Now, now would the NFL have awarded the Eagles a Super Bowl? I don't know. You know, it took them a long time to get up to New York, and I know New York doesn't have a dome. I, I, I understand that. Um, but I don't think every – Northern city that has a dome necessarily gets one, but Minneapolis, maybe. Detroit have gotten it. Yeah, um, I, I mean, and, and you know, uh, yeah, I mean, twenty years after the fact, sure, but like I said, that was twenty years ago. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, in a perfect world, I like domes only because I like retractable domes, right? Where you can, you know, like if the Phillies had a retractable dome, and hey, it's a nice night out, and then when it's twenty-five degrees in October, if you're playing October baseball. You know, you pull the dome over. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the ship has sailed. Sure. On that one. <laughs> well, I mean, think about, it. you know, I was actually thinking it's like 25 years since the Wells Fargo Center opened now. Yep. 25. And they just did a renovation. Uh, and can this city support two arenas? I don't know. I, I, I don't know either. I mean, I mean, you can support anything. It just depends. I, I mean, I understand both sides of it. And probably 10 years from now or so, they'll probably be telling you they need a new hockey arena. And they you know, would, uh, I can see that by like the net, by the turn of the 19 of uh, the 2030s, somebody's going to say, you know what? That renovation was 15 it, you know, years ago. And if, if the Sixers are serious about building something, make it a basketball arena, make it like a true basketball side, bring the sidelines down, you know, bring the spectrum back. The spectrum was awesome. For but basketball, it didn't, have, it didn't have all the luxury boxes, and you need the first thing they're going to make sure of if they wherever they do something, it's going to be Jerry Dome. You know, it's, yeah. it's going to be a basketball version because that's the way they make their money back. Yeah, uh, and it won't be with you in mind or me in mind or um, you know, not even the first union like you said. It's twenty five. Is it still the first? Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo. Um, that's twenty five years old, and look where the third level is. Yeah, you know the press box is ridiculously high. The press box at the Spectrum was one of the great press boxes I was ever in, but it was old. Yeah, you know it was old. The sight lines at the Spectrum were awesome, um, but you know that was forty. They built that what in the late sixties. I mean, you know, on the cheap. Everything is they, about money. They they built that. The Spectrum was actually a cheap building to put up when you look at it in modern. Well, everything was cheap to put up 50 I think it was years like, ago compared. I think it was like 12 million, 10 or 12 I'm, million. I'm sure the vet was probably a bargain. 27 million for the vet. Yeah. Um, what would it cost now to build the same thing? A, bi- a billion, know. maybe two. Who, who knows? I mean, the, you know, the, the prices. Well, think about it. All I ask is if they build, if the Sixers build something wherever they build it, yeah. however they just build something that's going to maybe last 40, 50 years. Please, just, just try. To make it so that it will, because yeah. we don't see it. I mean, Craig, Atlanta just ha- once is getting a new baseball stadium, or yeah, they're they in for three years now. 
Right. And they, and they, they have a new football the stadium. Olympics in yeah. 96, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's absurd that a stadium would only last 20 years. I agree. Uh, let's get to the Flyers, speaking of hockey. Game three is uh, Saturday night at uh, 7 o'clock. And then game four, Sunday at 8. Uh, they flirted with disaster in game three. I mean, blew a three-goal lead, didn't end up seeing Phil Myers score uh, in overtime to win it. Um, where do you think they are in this series right now? Well, here's the question. What did the layoff do? Yeah, that's a big question. Because you, you figured the Flyers probably had the momentum a, a little bit at least. I mean, even though the Islanders had fought back and, and forced the OT. Um, so I don't know now. I mean, well, the, the one Islanders- thing it did was it eliminated the possibility of having Hart maybe. Hart now had extra rest, and so you're not playing them back-to-back games two and three, but now you got to worry you about three and four. You might play back-to-back games three and four. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, the Islanders took their goalie out. He's going to be back in net for game three. I'm, uh, you know, at this point, it's probably a coin flip. Uh, I mean, they played so well for two periods. They came out and did everything they had to do. They scored early. And then all of a sudden they start giving the puck away and they took a bad penalty and you know and and all of a sudden the Islanders are in overtime. Um, I, I don't know. You know, one thing it was funny. Somebody said this, and I hadn't thought about this. We're making such a big deal to back to backs, right? And one of the players said, "We'd rather play back to backs. We, you know, all we do is we sit around our hotel room if we're not if we're not playing." No, but but I understand what the the thing with the back to backs are. It's a if you're having to juggle goalies, you know? Well, I think it, if you're the Flyers, you're playing Hart in three and four. Unless Hart doesn't look good in game three. And yeah. I would have no reason to suspect he will. Uh, but I just think you got to go with him. I I, I, I just think if, if – I mean, if you win game three, I guess you can make a case for going with Elliott in game four – because then even if you lost that, you'd still be tied 2-2. But why would you want to – and Elliott's played fine. I, I don't – you know, Elliott's been good. Uh, I just think if you're up 2-1, you want to go up 3-1. You know, you want to try to put the, the – you know, like they did against Montreal. Um, but if, if you here's the thing. If you lose game three, you know, let's say you lose 4-3 or – yeah, I'll just say 4-3. Mm-hmm. Would that be enough to make you put Elliott in, in the net for game four? I don't know. I don't know either. I I, w- I would think uh, I would think there's a strong possibility you're going to see Elliot at one of these two games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think. See, I, yeah. Okay. I mean, and he's not a normal backup. He's been really I good. I know, but you really leave yourself open. And I think, look, if Hart plays well, and if, let, let's say they win three to one, I'm just throwing a number out. Right. Then I think you got to play him in game four. I. I why Why would you not go to him? You, you know, that's just my thinking. Um, you know, you don't mess with a good thing. You know, you're, 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 what are they, 11 games away from winning a Stanley Cup. Yeah. 11 wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. Um, but, hey, that's why Vino gets the big money. You, you know, and, and I still think this comes down to can their big guys come through? They start to come through a little bit in game two. But they still need more, man. I mean, you you still need more from their top guys. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Um, yeah. How about the giveaway late to let the Islanders tie it up? <sighs> that can't happen. No. Um, 
Phillies, there's breaking Phillies news. I don't know if it's breaking or not, but it's about another pitcher that's breaking. Uh, Dave Robertson had a setback, according to Joe Girardi, in his call with the media today. So uh, I think you could scratch him off of your list of potential bullpen options, which means... He may never pitch again. Yeah. What's he, like 36? 35 or 36. They right now hold the eighth playoff spot. Did you see that Miller... Miller's on the IL too for Cleveland. He was a great pitcher. I loved him. Yeah, like three years ago. And I think sometimes Kevin, we that's why like a guy like Mariano Rivera, who's just great forever. Um, you kind you, you kind of lose sight of the fact that these guys throw a lot for a long time, and it's got to have an an impact at some point, doesn't it? You would think. Um... I don't know. I, I, some I, guys I, have rubber. Some, some guys have rubber arms. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's all. I mean, Miller's by the way with the Cardinals. I think now, right? Is it the? I'm sorry. That's right. He did. You're. You're right. You're right. And he and he's been like a bust for them because yeah, he's had all kind of issues the last couple years. Um. So how do you feel about the Phillies? I mean, they they, they went down. They they played well actually at the end of the road trip, and if you think about it, they really could have had a, a dynamite road trip if the bullpen had held on. Um. They could have had a dynamite season if the bullpen held held on. on. I mean, they have enough tools to compete in their lineup and their starting rotation. It's a question of can the bullpen find some stability. Um, I still think they're going to make the playoffs, and maybe I'm nuts. I I just Washington's done. They're done. Uh, No Strasburg now. Where where the standings are they right now? Are they? They would be the last playoff spot. Where are they in the division? What number? Uh, Fourth or third? Hold on here. Ahead, I don't I'm follow the standings up. enough. Well, it's so strange. Like, I think one of the problems baseball's had this year is it feels like that it's so disjointed because of all the COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are in third place, half game ahead of the Mets, uh, and two behind the Marlins for one of the automatic spots. But they would be okay. the eighth playoff team. They would I basically be the second I wild think card. They're going to finish. This is me on August the, whatever it is. I think they're going to finish second in the division. That's me. I would think so. I don't think their record's going to be a whole lot above 500. They have, in their division, they have the third best playoff probability index behind the Braves and the Mets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to take the Marlins seriously. My only problem with the Marlins is they don't play well against the Marlins, but I guess that could change. They have a 49.4 chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN. It's about right. They're they're a 50-50 team. Yeah. Hey, did you, by the way, what did you think of the Mets general manager? <laughs> going the off the power of Zoom. Be, I mean, can't you get fired for that? Well, you can. He called out the commissioner and was wrong because he was really calling out his owner. And then his and then his ownership group does uh, doesn't say the uh, spell his name right in the uh, statements. I uh, mean, condemning just, him last night. It's the Mets. I, I what can I say? I've covered this play too long. How do you? How does he not know there's a mic recording that? Because, to be honest, you're in a spot where you're probably not paying all that much attention. Well, I, I don't see a long shelf life for him. No, I I think that he could be an off season casualty. Oh, I, I definitely could see that. By the way, if they made the if the play if the season ended today, uh, in the National League, the playoffs would be the teams in would be the Braves, Marlins, Cubs, Cardinals, Dodgers, Padres, and the wild cards would be the Phillies and the Rockies. So, 
Phillies would be seven. Phillies would be eight, actually. Do they play the Dodgers? They would play the Dodgers. Dodgers okay. Dodgers are twenty four and nine. So Dodgers are probably the best team in baseball. You know, um, you know what? An interesting one. The American League. You know who has the best record in the American League right now? White Sox. The Oakland A's. Oakland. Yeah, Oakland's been playing. My only problem with Oakland is Kevin, and I, I'm I've always been an Oakland guy. Back when they were winning the World Series in the early seventies, I loved Oakland. They've been in the playoffs like nine times. And they haven't won a first round except once. Yeah, They don't win anything. I mean, they get in there and they always lose. Uh, Tampa leads the East. Minnesota leads. Tampa's good. I'll tell you what. The Central is interesting. You got Minnesota, Cleveland, and the White Sox all separated by a half game. Yeah. I mean, the American League is definitely the better league. Oh, absolutely. Um, Which... You know, it is. I mean, it is what it is. The Padres are kind of interesting. They're not a bad team. No. Um, and by, I haven't really and, followed the teams in the NL Central as much as I. The do. two wild cards in the American League would right now be the White Sox. They're playing well, and the Blue Jays. Yeah, I don't know as much about the Blue Jays. I know the White Sox have been playing well. Um, and and finally, baseball is discussing a bubble for the for the playoffs. Yeah, well, they got to. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you, I mean, because you can't take it. The Cardinals didn't play for two weeks. Yeah. I mean, you can't take a chance on something yeah. like that happening. They're actually asking those teams to basically, if you're even if you're home, they're going to, uh, Cam Rosenthal wrote this in the on the athletic site this morning. Even if teams are home for the final week of the season, they're asking them to quarantine in hotels uh, yeah, well, so that they don't have to worry about uh, if they do go to these bubbles, like anybody being infected beforehand. Yeah. Well, if we've learned nothing else from the NBA, it's that it seems, and the NHL also. I, the bubbles have worked. It seems like it works. Um, and the other thing, how bad are the Red Sox? They're bad. How did they get this bad this fast? Well, you trade the best player in the American League to. Well, yeah, but you had to because you signed 55 guys to like. And they'll probably trade Jackie Bradley this week, too, before the deadline. So. Wow. And, and and sales isn't pitching, but he's making like a hundred million dollars. Um, yeah, sales is done until next May or June. So it's just because they were. Yeah, I mean the Red Sox for the last decade and a half have been probably the best franchise in baseball. I'm guessing they've had up and down years though. But they've won four World Series, right? Yeah, but they also had like under Bobby Valentine, they finished last. I don't care. I'm they just saying, if you yeah. want to look no, at right. it like this, they've had this when they've when they valleyed. They valleyed out. I mean, they are down. The, Patriot, the Patriots went over a decade without winning a, 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 a championship, even though they were good. Right. But they did go a decade without winning a championship. But they won the division every year pretty much except one. Well, well yeah, because the rest of the division. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But if you had to pick the best franchise in baseball of the 2000s, it's the Red Sox. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't think – I mean, tell me who else has won – how many other teams have won multiple titles? <laughs> Well, Yankees. Not the or, Yankees. Well, the Yankees won. No, the Yankees did because they won't know. 2000 and 2009. Okay, so if we're counting 2000, yes, they've got two. Um, How about the Giants? Giants won three. They'd be my second choice. but And their window wasn't real, real large, but they did win three times in five years. So, yes. You, you did see who won seven in a row, right? What's that? You did see they, they have won seven. They have won up until yesterday seven in a row. My man. Yep. And and he's still out of it. He won seven in a row and they're still not in the playoffs? They're 15 and 18, yeah. So they're right <laughs> behind the Phillies, right? Yeah. 
What can you imagine if, if can, it came I was just going to say that. Can you imagine if, if oh. oh, my God, like a pre-playoff, uh, a playing game to are get in? Have, are, are they going to do that? Like if They if, could. If they're going to have a playoff game, huh? Well, they could if, like, the numbers all match up because you don't have head-to-head to break it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how do the Cardinals fit in all this? If they're they're going to play fewer games, right? Yeah, they're at, they're at five hundred right now. They're in second place in the. Uh, so they're going to go by winning percentage. Yeah, but also yeah. they're going to play a ton of doubleheaders. So their number maybe instead of playing sixty, they may play fifty seven or fifty eight. Yeah, I got you. I so, gotcha. all right. So Tuesday next week, um, again, kind of given what's going on with the Flyers, we'll uh, we'll let it go and see what goes on, but. Uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate Derek Gunn for coming on and um, Michael. Anything? Any last words here? Have a good the weekend? weekend. Yeah, we're, everyone. It's going ha- to rain, rain Saturday and be nice Sunday. Yeah, my phone is ringing off the hook, it, and now it stopped. Uh, but it, it's uh, last really great shore weekend of the summer season. Obviously, next weekend you know is busy with Labor Day, and then. The following weekend will be. Hey, the uh, best weekends are in September, brother. They are. My they, wife keeps telling me that. It's. It's. I mean, everything's the same. I mean, you could run into, you know, a, a stray hurricane coming up the coast of the pub, but <laughs> September is the same as August. Only there's fewer people. Uh, the restaurants ain't open as many of them, but there ain't restaurants open anyway. So yeah. that part of it really doesn't change. And I'm telling you, I'm I am betting that I will make it down to the shore sometime in September for a day trip. We have not made it yet down to the shore. Well, well you know, because every time we, we've tried, it drained. So, yeah, we've been down here like three times, and my friend lives in Wildwood now, so I'm sure we'll get to yep. Wildwood again. And um, yep, you know, as long as I can sit on a beach for three hours, I'm happy. Yep. All right, Michael. Be good. Be good. Our thanks to Derek Gum for joining us, and our thanks. To you for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been We're Gonna Beat.